Good morning to you. Welcome uh, once again to Mass this morning. Now, the parable we've just heard in the Gospel, the parable of the Good Samaritan, is, well, quite frankly, it's famous, isn't it? I think we've all heard it. We all know the story. It's one of those parables I think everyone has probably heard. So speaking more about it, well, it might seem unnecessary, useless even. Well, don't worry, that won't stop me. Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the opening salvo, really, of our gospel today. It's the frame, the context, you might say, for everything that follows. So before we get to the Good Samaritan, we get the less famous but just as important, in my mind, inquiring lawyer. Not quite a catchy title, I'll admit, but without him, we wouldn't really have the parable today that were given. Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Yes, this is the question which frames everything, really, and it's a question which Pope Emeritus Benedict once said is the fundamental question. And it's a question that people keep asking Jesus, if you remember, lawyers and other gospels, other people keep asking him this question, Master, good Master, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And of course, to begin with, Jesus responds in good rabbinic fashion. What is written in the law? The lawyer replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, your neighbor as yourself. Yes, we know this. So far, so good, nothing new. Live rightly, love rightly. It's all in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And then, of course, the second question arises, who is my neighbor? And then we get the Good Samaritan. You may know already, but the concept of a Good Samaritan in the mind of Jesus' time was unthinkable for the people of Israel. Now, there was no love lost between the Samaritans and the Jewish peoples, and I don't know if either side was entirely blameless in that, but it doesn't matter. In short, the Samaritan was one who did not belong in the people of Israel. He was one who was not obliged to help in the customs of the time. He was one who did not have to call this wounded man his neighbor. He had every right to pass by in the culture of the day, but yet he didn't. There's a wonderful line in the gospel. The Samaritan was moved with compassion when he saw him. And actually, that's rather weaker than what the original says. It's more like his heart was wrenched open. It's more like he felt in the depths of his being a great pity, a great compassion, a love even for this wounded individual. Again, there's a wonderful line in the writing of Pope Benedict which says, struck in his soul by the lightning flash of mercy, he becomes a neighbor, heedless of any other question, heedless of any any danger. The Samaritan draws close to the man, offers him the help he needs. Now the great saints, the great fathers of the church, the great writers of the past saw in this parable of the good Samaritan the whole drama of salvation history, the whole drama of what Christ came to do, of what he came to offer us. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho, that in so many ways is our pilgrim journey. And how often are we too like that man going down 
on that journey. The man who lies half dead, beaten by the side of the road, well, that the Father see is Adam, and by extension, all of humanity, all of us, with our brokenness, our wounds, our sin, all of these things. And what was he robbed of? Well, the opening question, the frame, gives us an answer to that too, robbed of eternal life. And the priest and the Levite, deacon, by the way, is another uh, translation for Levite, i just like to point out. The priest and the deacon pass by, not necessarily out of hard-heartedness, not necessarily out of badness, but as a reminder to us, the fathers again saw that no mere earthly power, nothing on earth alone, nothing in the Old Testament alone with its law, its sacrifices, its prophets, nothing there can bring true healing. Nothing there can bring true salvation. For that, we need something more. For that, we need the good Samaritan. And so enter the Samaritan. And I'm sure you all know who he is by now. As I mentioned already, the idea of a good Samaritan was unthinkable for the people of Jesus' time. They couldn't really get their heads around it. It was a proper oxymoron, impossible for them to comprehend. And they couldn't get their heads around either the idea of God drawing close to us in Jesus Christ. That too was unthinkable for people of that time. And so for the fathers and the great saints of the church, our good Samaritan is none other than Jesus. The image of Christ is found in the good Samaritan, who is himself the image of the unseen God, as the second reading reminds us, who came to reconcile everything in heaven and on earth, making peace by his death on the cross. The first reading, too, reminds us that the word, again Christ, is very near to us. Yes, the good Samaritan is Christ himself. God, present in Jesus, comes down too comes down from Jerusalem, from heaven to Jericho, to earth, comes down to, to us, to lift us out of our difficulty, out of our pain, and get us, as it were, on our feet again. He, like the Samaritan, is one who owes us nothing. The God who in so many ways is distant, is foreign to us, like that Samaritan, the God who has set out the God who has come on to that road, come down to take care of us, his wounded creatures, whose heart, as it were, was struck by the lightning flash of mercy. And so he comes, the God, though distant, who has come close, drawn close to us in Jesus Christ, who has made himself our neighbor, who has made himself our good Samaritan. And so he is the one who is able to bandage our wounds. It is him who is able to answer that deep fundamental question which frames the gospel, what must we do to attain eternal life? In the good Samaritan, Jesus reaches down, reaches into our, well, you might call it half-dead state, and lifts us up. And in pouring oil and wine on our wounds, the fathers again saw that as a figure of the sacraments. We use oil and wine in most of the sacraments. All seven sacraments are present. And in the bandaging of the wounds, we see reconciliation with God. The inn, then, that the sick man is taken to, St. John Chrysostom says, is an image of the church. It's an image of the church where the wearied traveler is relieved. 
and after being refreshed and restored with food, is able to continue on that journey. And what is that food if not the Eucharist, which we celebrate today? Yes, this is how Jesus, the Good Samaritan, is going to heal that man in the Gospel, and again, by extension, all of humanity, all of us, if we let him. Through the Church, through the sacraments, through his grace, Jesus comes down to us and offers us that healing, that raising up. So yes, as far as I can see, Jesus responds to the lawyer's question with a summary of the whole of salvation history, of the whole of what God wants to do for us. What must we do then to inherit eternal life? Well, first of all, I think we need to receive it as a gift. We are called to receive that Good Samaritan, to accept the help of that Good Samaritan in our lives. We are called first to allow Jesus to pick us up, to bandage our wounds. We have to let him, as it were, take us to the church, heal us with the sacraments, heal us in the sacraments. Only then can we take that last line of today's gospel, go and do likewise ourselves, go and do the same yourselves. Only when we have received the Good Samaritan, only when we have received his health, his strength, his healing with the sacraments, with grace, can we too become neighbors, can we too become good Samaritans following Christ and becoming more and more like him each day. When we do that, we follow the two commandments of love that the lawyer mentions. We live rightly. We love rightly. And when we do that, we know the God who St. Paul mentions in his second reading, the God who we see in Christ Jesus, our good Samaritan, the image of the unseen God who reconciles all things in heaven and on earth, who made peace by his death on the cross.